Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Buckle up, folks. The time-tested Dow Theory just turned bullish. We got the all-clear sign for stocks. Let's go. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. Let's bring on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com. That's UpsideStocks.com. So as mentioned, the Dow Theory is now bullish, and we've taped this game's episode on Tuesday, July 18th, right after the bell. And with the Dow Theory, you need closing confirmations from the Dow Transports and the Dow Industrials. Note the the Dow Transports closed above their needed level a while back, but we've been waiting for the Dow Industrials to hit the level it it broke through today for weeks. And today, the Dow Industrials finally closed above that November 30th, 2022 level that we've been talking about, 34,589.77. By the way, the Dow Industrials had a huge day settling at 34,951.93, and that's well beyond the close that we were looking for. All right, that means we've got the all-clear sign for stocks, and if you've been a regular gains listener, this has been a long time coming. Give us your thoughts, Chuck. It has, Andy. I think it's it's been well over a year since we had uh, the primary trend of the market, according to the Dow Theory, was bullish. So, you know, this is a, a significant change. It, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I'll point out is that it is a strong signal in the sense that we had, you know, a, a, a nice significant new high in the Dow Industrials, and it's been accompanied by a like significant high in the Dow Jones Transportation Average. So we have that confirmation, and we have them pretty much right away on the same, you know, in, on the same in, in very recent uh, days of one another. Uh, and in fact, the Dow Transports today had a, had an even bigger day when you look at the percentage gain. So they they went to a new significant high today as well. So you know, and it's pretty unequivocal that those were the, the the points that were important from a Dow Theory perspective. So there wasn't much dispute, at least in our opinion, over what points needed to be, you know, surpassed in order to flip the trend from bearish to bullish. So, you know, this is a this is an important thing. Now, I, you know, there's a couple things you need to understand when the Dow Theory turns bullish is one of the things is that it, it it doesn't necessarily imply that over the next 48 hours, the market's going to be up a thousand points. I know. And I'm glad you're putting that in there because I, I was really excited in the lead. We've been watching this for a long time, 
But uh, yeah, and you're making an excellent point. And just you know, it, it, the markets aren't going to just go to the moon now. Yeah, they 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 they, they could, uh, but typically, what happens is that you know, it, as you know, Andy, we've been talking about this, the you know the Dow Industrials for for months in terms of trying to get above that level, and they haven't been able to. And finally, they have, and and oftentimes, you know, if you think, and I think I've used this analogy before, you know, the 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 marathon runner that just you know struggles, struggles, and struggles and struggles to get to that finish line. Once they do get to that finish line, they don't necessarily go do hundred-yard sprints. They often rest because of the energy that it took to get across that finish line, and that is not unusual when you see something like that happen. With the markets here, it's taken the Dow Industrials a lot of time, a lot of energy to break through those points. So it would not be surprising to see the market take a bit of a breather. On the other hand, you know, somebody could say, well, geez, you know, this is a breakout. And breakouts usually are are followed by pretty significant upside. And that could happen. I think the bottom line is, you know, it doesn't necessarily imply that the market is just going to go straight up from here now. What it does imply, though, and this I think this is significant from an investor standpoint in terms of putting everything into practice, is that you know you can buy now with a greater confidence that the primary trend, the trend that typically lasts eight months at a minimum, if not significantly longer, is bullish. So, if you are looking to deploy, you know, if you're sitting on tons of cash and you're looking to deploy cash, you can start to do that. And and also, you know, what it a bull market signal does do is is gives you confidence that during pullbacks in the market, which will occur, that you are buying a pullback within a bullish primary trend, which means you can buy those pullbacks with some high de- higher degree of confidence that you know the market will resume its upward trend. So you know th- those are the most important things from a Dow theory perspective that I think investor you know putting this in into practice. Uh, you know, is is usually the the question saying, well, great, Dow Theory is bullish now. What does that mean? What should I do? And I think you can, you know, start to deploy cash uh, in stocks with, with a greater confidence that the primary trend, the trend that's going to last at least another eight months, if not longer, is is to the upside. And also, uh, you can especially deploy cash on pullbacks with with the knowledge that those are pullbacks within bull markets, and they're not necessarily pullbacks in an ongoing bear market where you know, you can go down and make new lows. So, um, you know, th- those are the practical aspects of using the Dow theory. You know, as as we've mentioned, as I've mentioned time and time again on your on your show here, Andy, it's that, you know, we have it's not exact. We haven't exactly been sitting with zero amount of stock, and so, you know, one criticism could be, boy, the Dow theory finally caught up to the rest of the market and say it's a bull market. But I think that's one of the strengths of the Dow theory is that it does require this series of confirmations. And when they, when they occur, it gives you a higher degree of confidence that you're not simply going to be getting whipsawed in and out of the market, that these trends have a certain sustainability to them. And that's what we're, you know, that's the good news today. And hopefully we see this, this rally sustain itself over the next several months. And it's nice to be able to confidently go in and buy the dips now, because you know, this isn't a, broader framework of the Dow being bullish, the Dow theory being bullish. When the Dow theory turns bullish, we clear the decks. Now, how do we establish 
the new set of, you know, we, we know it's that out there is bullish, but, and we've cleared the deck on the levels. How do we establish these new levels? So what, what happens next as, as we, we follow this and, and move forward? Well, the new levels on the upside won't be established until you have a significant set, uh, pullback in the market. So that, that's what will establish those, those levels. So, so, you know, typically what will happen is, you know, the market will, there may, it may, you know, puts around a little bit, you may have a takeoff, but you, this, this rally is going to get extended to some point. And then you will have what constitutes a meaningful pullback. What's a meaningful pullback? Well, a meaningful pullback in a bull market is a, is a pullback typically lasting anywhere from three weeks to three months. Um, because of time compression in the markets, pullbacks typically are lasting shorter than they used to. So, you know, some somewhere around two to three months at a minimum. And it typically will retrace about one-third to two-thirds of the previous advance since the signal change. So at some point here in the Dow Jones Industrial and Dow Jones Transportation Average, this, this rally will peter out and we will get a pullback of a significant nature that lasts anywhere from three weeks to three months. The high on this rally will then establish the key points on the upside that the market will eventually, after that pullback, have to go back above to maintain the bull market. So, you know, the, the, the short answer to your question is, you know, I don't know where the points are going to be because they haven't been established because we haven't had the pullback that will establish those points. So, you know, we'll just have to kind when, of wait when and you see talk about are. When you talk about pullback, though, I mean, how significant and how much, you know, I, I know time is more compressed than it has been historically. If you look back at the Dow theory, say, 20, 30 years ago, but I, kind of give us just kind of, how big of a pullback? What is the minimum time frame? Yeah, t- well, top. Typically, I think you know nowadays the minimum time frame would probably be something like you know two weeks. And, and typically, what what has become a bit more obvious is not so much the the the, la- the time the time of the pullback, but the magnitude of the pullback, because we can get. You know, you can get a five percent pullback in a market in five days, and and so you know, if you're trying to assess the magnitude, yes, the time element is helpful in doing that, and and typically, again, you like to see some pullback that lasts at least a couple of weeks, at a minimum. But you know, the 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 magnitude of the pullback, you would like to see something that's at least of a nature of you know three to five percent pullback in the market, not. Not one of these. Okay, the market's down 100 points. So this, that previous high is, is those are the points. Something that you know, something that, and and again, this is kind of where the art comes in when you're using the Dow theory. It's and and that can be where you know sometimes things get a little muddy. It's it's trying to evaluate is that pullback significant or isn't it? And the reason pullbacks are important because, as I said, they establish those previous high points and also. Those pullbacks will establish the the important new low points that need to hold as well. But again, getting back to answering your question, you know, at a minimum, I think you need something in the, in the, in the realm of about two weeks, and typically you need pullbacks that are at least you know three to five percent off the off the peak. You know, in the lead, I also said, "Let's go, let's go, Chuck." You know, what what do we need to do here now, moving forward? And uh, and again, I'm. I'm I, I don't want to overhype this. I mean, but but it's, it's exciting for us Gaines listeners. And so how do you play all of this? We kind of touched upon this 
um, you know, in the past about kind of positioning yourself once the Dow theory turns bullish. How do you deploy this and and deploy the dry powder, adding fresh money into the market? And if I'm not mistaken, you definitely want to go broad as well because you don't want to miss out and be too narrow. Yeah, I think what we talked about last time, I think that that's that's, you know, relevant. And, and that is, you know, depending on how much dry powder you want to put in, that depends on kind of where you view your your uh, optimal asset allocation and you know that goes into a lot of things people's ages etc but let's say for example just for the sake of easy math that uh, you know you 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 run portfolios fully invested when you when you like the markets and that means you know 100% invested and let's say you have been 50 or 60% of the market so you got about 40 percentage points to play with here you know i, I think you know, in in relatively short order, and relatively short order could be, you know, the next the next month, next couple of months. Um, you know, you probably want to get up into that you know high 80s, low 90s area, which means you're going to be putting a pretty good chunk of money into the market. The way I would divvy that up would be I would take, a, I would say probably you know a third to a half of those funds, and I would. And I would go broad, as you mentioned, because you don't want to miss the move and you don't want to miss the move by focusing exclusively on individual stocks. So I would take, you know, a third to a half of that money and put it in some broad indices, you know, and and, and divvy it up. Maybe you do you do a large cap, you do small cap, you do a mid cap index. I think I think small and mid cap are probably going to do pretty well here in this rally as the, as the leadership runs out. Um so I would definitely get coverage, index coverage in small, mid, and large. Um, and I probably would, would look at, you know, you could do that in individual indices. You could do that to some extent with a with a total market index. I would, you know, to probably use ETFs because the expenses are low on those. And, and again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too too exotic or too crazy. I mean, you, you want broad coverage across the market spectrum. And, and small, mid, and large, and I would I would use that, and I would do that on the index side. Then I would take the remaining money and probably divvy that up with, um, you know, two thirds in kind of. If you're somebody who likes to buy kind of higher quality, uh, you know, dividend paying stocks, depending on what your ilk is, I would focus, you know, two thirds of the remaining money on that space, so you're getting high quality. Kind of blue chip stocks, not necessarily stocks that are going to, you know, lead the market in a huge way, but they're good quality over time stocks that pay, you know, presumably some of them pay dividends. And then finally, I would take the remaining third, and that would be money that you might want to get aggressive with, whether that's, you know, focusing on on kind of uh, contrarian bottom fishing stocks, or perhaps get aggressive in some smaller cap stocks, or perhaps get aggressive in some you know, the stocks that are kind of classic bull market stocks, where maybe they're not making money right now, but they're the type of stock. And I and I don't mean meme stocks. I mean, you know, some of the the, the fast growing stocks that that aren't, you know, that may not be achieving profitability, but they have fast growing revenues. And those are the sorts of stocks that can tend to catch some heat in bull markets. So that would be how I would do it, Andy. Basically, is you know, focus the bulk of the money on quality whether that's across indices or across other stocks. And then if you want to take a, a, a smaller portion and, um, 
be aggressive with that to try to take advantage of a bull market. Uh, and, you know, and one way might be, you know, buying buying weak sisters in certain industries that haven't really responded yet. And but you know, our stocks that typically, uh, you know, aren't are of lesser quality that can tend to kind of catch some heat in the at least in the beginning stages of a, of a new bull market. All right, we're going to get some ideas for each third. Chuck is talking about a third in index with a, more of a broader exposure, a third in high quality, maybe leaning blue chippish type stocks and a third in stock picks and we'll hit chuck up for a couple of stocks from his upsidestocks.com website but first be sure to subscribe follow leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts i've been told that's podcast gold and of course subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops we drop gains episodes on wednesday mornings We'll be right back with Chuck after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website, UpsideStocks.com. Chuck, as we were heading into break, you were talking about dividing that portfolio up into thirds. Uh, The first one, you said, get that broad exposure, put a third of the money that you're putting back in the dry powder, the money that you're going to be deploying to the market, put that third in a very broad investment vehicle. I'm thinking something along the lines of an S&P 500 ETF, something along those lines. Give us an idea or two. Yeah, I think that's that's it. And and if you and if you're somebody who who shies away from individual stocks and and you, you know, and you like Funds or ETFs. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with putting, you know, the bulk of the money in in these to to get index representation. You know, a good uh, fund for index, a good ETF for ind- for S and P 500 representation is the Vanguard 500 index fund. Its symbol is V O O Victor O O. Uh, why I like it is you get you, what you want to do when you're going quote passive and you're buying indexes. You want to make sure that your expenses are as low as possible. And, and the expense ratio in that fund is 0.03%. So it's it's literally pennies to put your money in there. Um, if you want something that's a broader, uh, that covers the total market where you have exposure across small, mid, and large, you know, you could look at the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. The V is in Victor, T is in Tom, I, the VTI. Again, expense ratio is only about 0.03%. So not 3%, but 0.03%. So three one hundredths of a percent. So again, your your, uh, fees are are trivial in something like that. And you can get exposure there. If if you want, um, you know, exposure to, you know, dedicated exposure to, uh, say, small cap stocks, you could do something like the the iShares Russell 2000 ETF, which is the symbol is IWM, as in Mary, IWM. 
expense ratio is only 0.19%, and it gives you broad exposure across the, the Russell 2000 small cap. And there's also, if you want to do something on mid cap, uh, there are, uh, you know, a host of mid cap ETFs out there that, that will give you exposure to that. I believe, uh, believe the, I, I believe iShares has one. I think Spider has one as well. So, um, again, those are, um, S and P. And, 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 you know, the one thing that you mentioned or to mention here, and you, you, you mentioned it, you know, going through these ETFs, these broad index funds, I mean, it's a really low cost way of just getting broad based exposure and, and then you can take part. And, and if, if you don't like stock picking and we totally get that, then go with, you know, these vehicles. But right. go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. Andy. It's, it's, and, the, and the one I was thinking of is the Spider S&P Midcap. The symbol is M as in Mary, D as in David, Y. Expense ratio is only 0.23%, gives you broad mid-cap exposure. And, and, and again, you know, as you're thinking about how you would divvy up your money among large, mid, and small you know that 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 depends to a certain extent on your on your risk levels. Obviously, small and mid caps are a little bit more volatile than large caps. I do kind of like small and mid caps coming out of the coming into the beginning of this bull market. Um, but you know, if you're somebody who who prefers larger caps and devote a, a larger portion of your money to the S and P 500, and you know, smaller amounts to the small and mid cap index. But as you said, and that you know, you want to focus on keeping your costs down when you're doing that. So, and, and there's a lot of ETFs out there that you can choose to get that broad representation. So that's what I would do on the, you know, on the, on the uh, index side, I would use ETFs and I would do that, uh, you know, across small, mid and large. I'm with you on the small caps. Uh, I'll throw another one in there that I would also be grabbing uh, international as well. I just think international will do uh, and and again, that's just more diversification. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. Moving to the other, another third, which would be blue chips or let's just say better quality stocks. Give us kind of what you're talking about, a couple names there for that second third that we've deployed. So, you know, if we're looking at it and we've cut it a dry powder that's deployed into the market into thirds, a third in, in indexes. We just talked about this. Now this third, this next third of more high quality. What are you looking? Is there dividend payers in there? Yeah, what, what kind of lay that out for us? Yeah, I think I think you know again, again there. I guess I'm looking at you know your higher quality seasoned companies that are you know that, that have strong uh, market positions, defensible market positions, and they're kind of you know kind of quality names. Um, you know, in in that in that world, you know, something uh, that that fits very well in that space is, is like a Visa, for example, would be a a company. Here's a company that just has an incredible moat around its business. It Visa is a little bit misunderstood by a lot of people. They think they have credit risk. Visa has no credit risk. It's when you use your Visa card that that charge that you're incurring. All Visa do, is doing is it, it, they're, they're, it's a giant toll booth, and they get paid every time you do a transaction. They don't have any credit risk. They have no risk whether you're going to pay your bill off or not. And, you know, the, the volume of tra transactions that, that they do is, is absolutely staggering. So, you know, that's that's a stock. Now, that doesn't pay much of any dividend if you're looking at, a, you know, a couple of other names, uh, you know, for, for dividend-paying stocks that are high quality, something like, uh, well, you know, 
geez, Microsoft and Apple um, are both two you know solid dividend-paying, high-quality companies. Chubb, uh, the insurance company, uh, is a nice dividend payer. Uh, and then you know if you're looking at some some other names that are high-quality, but maybe a little bit under the radar, we like a company called Fiserv, symbol is F. I, that's in the they, they kind of are in the payment infrastructure. They make kind of the plumbing for payments between banks and 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 uh, individuals, and that's an interesting stock. And then finally, you know, there there we have a number of stocks in the semiconductor space that we like. You know, a stock like Applied Materials, for example, is a is a high quality company that makes semiconductor manufacturing equipment. Uh, Adobe is a stock that we like quite a bit. Alphabet, which is Google, you know. So, I mean, the, the names aren't necessarily, you know, hidden gems, but they're solid, you know, good long-term, not just next day stocks you can buy and kind of live with. And those are the types of stocks that I think you, you know, should focus on uh, at least some of your 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 dry powder on getting into. Okay, and then... For us gains listeners, you know, we like to be stock pickers and is this other third? It's a little riskier. So what kind of stocks would you uh, buy right now? And let's be a little riskier and maybe even tap into that UpsideStocks.com list. Yeah, and, and here are some stocks that we currently recommend on upside uh, UpsideStocks.com. And here are some names they are not going to be probably familiar to a lot of people. Um uh, couple of names that we really like, uh, Eagle Materials. The symbol is EXP. Uh, Dropbox. The symbol is D, B as in boy, X, David, boy, Xavier. Uh, if somebody, you know, wants to start to put their feet into banks, uh, which have been starting to perform a bit better here, uh, one that we've had that's done exceptionally well and, and is a nice play in that space is Esquire Financial. The symbol is ESQ. Uh, if you're in the tech space, a company that we like that does kind of uh, manufacturing for tech companies is JBill. The symbol is JBL. Uh, and finally, if you want to stay in the uh, kind of infrastructure, construction infrastructure area, MCOR. The symbol is EMC. E. So those are what four or five names of companies that probably a lot of your gains listeners have never heard of, but they're they're high quality. These are all profitable companies. Earnings estimate trends are very favorable. Stock prices have been solid, but we think there's further upside in these. And then as far as um, takeaway from this long journey, and I really appreciate you holding our hands through this. I mean, it really did get us out of the market at at higher levels. And um, and we you you've probably been trading here and there. It's not an all or nothing game, and you've you've uh, talked about that as well. But what's just your overall takeaway about the Dow theory, how it's performed here, um, you know, over this what almost year and a half? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it did a nice job of 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 uh, foreshadowing the problems in the market when they did occur. It's done a nice job of of kind of uh, you know giving you perspective on what to expect in the market. And I think that's a really important aspect from an investor standpoint is, 
you know, just having some perspective on what's going on in the market. And I think it's done a good job about that. And then finally here, we'll, we'll wait and see if this signal is, um, you know, profitable for folks. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the jury will, is still out, but uh, you know, again, this is a, it's a pretty strong signal. It's, you've got con- confirmation from both the industrials and transports. Uh, the, the points were pretty clear under the Dow theory. So we'll see if the Dow theory can do its thing and hopefully make us all some money here going forward. As we wrap up, uh, today's gains podcast, what's the final takeaway you want to to get across to the gains listener here. If you've been waiting waiting to purchase stocks, now would be the time. You can do it with some confidence that the primary trend is bullish, uh, and and especially on price declines, which will continue to happen. Uh, you will get setbacks. Uh, take advantage of them because you know this is an important signal under the Dow theory, and uh, uh, this should lead to pretty good things in the market. We've been waiting to hear that for a long time now, Chuck. The Dow Theory is now bullish. Big thanks to Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com. Again, that's UpsideStocks.com. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold. Totally appreciate the solid there. And subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.